Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Shop Black Friday with deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the Big One Throws, $8.49. Toastmaster Small Appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday with deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code Enjoy15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, frequent panelist on Collider Movie Talk. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable Vault Hunters, each with deep-skilled trees, abilities, and customization. You've got all new characters, over a billion guns. You can play alone or with friends, and it's available September 13th. You can take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Again, mayhem is coming September 13th on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated M for Mature. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Shop Black Friday with deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the Big One Throws, $8.49. Toastmaster Small Appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday with deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit. Offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. On today's Collider Movie Talk, we're talking about this Robert Pattinson interview about Batman in Variety. A lot of things to say here. And the Joker reception from the movie, standing ovation, online backlash. All of it we're covering here on Collider Movie Talk. There's the logo doing its thing. You all know it. <laughs> you all know it so well. Hey, everyone. John Roke here sitting in for the lovely Perry Namaroff, who's up in Toronto uh, or on her way to Toronto to cover a lot of great movies there at TIFF. In the meantime, you got me and I'm riding and the shotgun with me over here. Uh, the lovely Haley Fouch. How are you, Haley? I'm good. How are you? You're back from a, a, a trip to New York? Yep. Survived. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, Coy Andrews here, back from also a trip uh, to Burning Man. <laughs> 
I got back at 4 a.m., so it's Boy, very jarring to be back in front of cameras and lights so Ooh. quickly. Ooh. I went from no technology to every possible piece of technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm back from Australia a couple of days ago. Nothing I could talk about, but that was a hell of a trip. Uh, Coy, you know, first thing you did was turn on the Joker trailer. Yes. When your, uh, a thing, when your uh, phone came back on, uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, let's start with this interview from Variety that Robert Pattinson did talking about the Batman. I feel like this is the most open he's been talking about getting the job and uh, the process of it. You know, a lot of uh, outlets were running with this idea that he lobbied for the job as if that's so weird that an actor would lobby to play Batman. Like, <laughs> I don't care how highfalutin you think you are. <laughs> lobbying to play Batman is exactly what you'll do. They don't come knocking on your door, son. That's how it works. So, uh, But I wanted to focus more on this idea that he felt that he almost lost the job because of something that some of us do, which is talk about these leaks that happen or, or report on these leaks that happen sometimes with big casting news. I know our own Jeff Snyder sometimes. I've seen him break stories but hold off on announcing certain things because the studios get upset or publicists get upset or the actors get upset. And apparently, uh, uh, Robert Pattinson spoke about this in Variety and said, quote, when that thing leaked, and the leak being that he would possibly play Batman, I was effing furious. Everyone was so upset. Everyone was panicking for my team. I sort of thought I had blown up the whole thing. It was terrifying. I was like, oh, F, does that screw me because they are so intent on secrecy. And at this point, he'd only met with Matt Reeves, who, he, again, he did lobby to get the role for. You hear this, Haley, is this a dangerous thing nowadays for these actors, for these teams, for these publicists, everything else? Like, is this, is this how close he came to possibly losing? Do you believe him, I guess? I don't know if it's a matter of believe him. I, I think he's an anxious person, so yeah. that, that thought process might be natural. But it's a, you know... I think it comes down to the integrity of the filmmaker. Ultimately, if they believe that's the right person for a role, then I don't think that that will like that the early broken news will derail them from believing that's the right person from the role. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess if it was supposed to be some big surprise, maybe that would make sense to me. But you know, I like Matt Reeves is a filmmaker with a vision. Yeah. If he, you know, met him and thought he was the right guy for the role, I don't see all of a sudden, you know, like a breaking report making him go, well, never mind then. Right. It's, I, if, I get the anxiety, but I don't, I don't think that's what would happen with a role that's important, as important as Batman. I think that the filmmaker is going to look for the right actor regardless of the news cycle. I hope that's true. Yeah, I wonder because, we, Corey, we saw this recently with the Ewan McGregor announcement yes. about the Kenobi series. That broke before D23. I'm sure Disney wanted to break that at D23. Uh, and in essence, for people who hadn't read the online stuff, maybe they did for some of them. But overall, this is this idea of look how close people come to possibly either losing the surprise element or losing the role. I mean, he's, he's cussing. He's using the F word twice in this quote. <laughs> so he was serious about this possibility in his head. Uh, but I wonder if it was actually truly going to happen. That's my uh, approach to this. I love the internet's uh, take on this being like, actor wants an incredible part. And it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> you don't say. Uh, so I think personally, it's it's a lot of what you're saying where Robert Pattinson is himself very anxious, so it, it reads as probably closer to... He was more afraid of it happening than it actually almost happening. I mm -hmm. guarantee if Matt Reeves' quote was like, if they were sitting in a room side by side, Matt Reeves would be like, it's, we were just a little worried. Like, yeah, it would have right. been one guy being like, 
easy, and the other guy being like, I was just nervous. If <laughs> I almost died. Yeah, exactly. Like, actors, they're emotional. If they're good, <laughs> who knew? Be emotional. Like, it's just so strange to me that people think that actors are this removed from society element. Actors are inherently doing a job, mm. and it's really weird that we either put them on a pedestal or we take away their humanity. We don't let there be a middle ground. Like, working yeah. actors are working people doing a job. So if you almost lose a job, you're worried. Or if a job gets revealed, you're concerned. Like, I'm sure we don't interview CIA operatives, so we're less concerned about them leaking things. Right. Like, it's a hard thing to be in the public figure and keep secrets. I never feel like he didn't, he was close to losing the job, but I understand his nerves about that happening. Well, and don't forget, like, this, there was a back and forth here where some outlets were reporting he had the job. Yeah. Other outlets were saying, no, he didn't, that Nicholas Holt was still in the running. So you wonder, did his team leak this, or did Nicholas Holt's <laughs> team leak this? Like, this is, the ga- this is a high-stakes game with millions of dollars involved here, potentially. Essentially, yeah. uh, for you as an actor, you know, uh, independent film is great. It doesn't always buy you a house or pay the rent. So you look at something like this, this could have been a big loss. I know he had Twilight, but this could have been a big loss for him. Well, I think it's also like it, you you ask an interesting question, like mm. whose team would have leaked it, uh, which kind of points to my idea of why I don't think think it could uh, truly affect casting that mm. much because uh, either angle on that would I in theory be something like well is the fan response going to be good or bad right mm-hmm. like if it was going to be Holt's team in theory they would be hoping for a bad fan response right, right. or if it was his right. that they'd want a good one but I mean we've seen casting time and time again that I- unless it's like um, a, a socio-political issue like the wrong person was cast for a role mm, right. fan response doesn't matter you know, we don't get Heath Ledger's performance if fan response matters in that mm-hmm. way. Very true. I do want to touch on, because I get why you guys are like, oh, it's not a story that he was pursuing the role. But uh, I actually find that really exciting. Okay. as a huge fan of Robert Pattinson's yeah, that, that. that it was something that was like already in his head. He's been thinking about, he's been like low-key working on this character in his mm-hmm. head for a long time. That, to me, is the really thrilling part of that story. Mm-hmm. Not that he pursued it actively, just that... This actor, who maybe you never would have thought ever since Twilight to be the blockbuster movie guy, has been pondering this for some time, which makes me even more excited about his take, and I was already peak excited. I like that perspective a lot more. I I like the perspective. If, If the headlines are more like Robert Pattinson wants to be Batman instead of like, the, the, they sensationalized and I've been team Arbats slash Battinson for before it was even close to being announced because I think he is exactly Bruce Wayne and is going to make a very captivating Batman and I, I'm really excited to see a character actor that can play both Batman and Bruce Wayne in a way that I think only he can and I do see him as a character actor what I like about Robert Pattinson is his nuance is his physicality is his strangeness so the fact that he was pursuing this part means the script is amazing means he's just excited to work with Matt Reeves as the rest of us are to see this movie means that all of the ingredients are there so it must have been so hard for him when he knew Nick Holt like the rest of us did was so close to the part Mm -hmm. it must have been so much more anxiety inducing when there was that week where it was the will they won't they that it sounds like he was reading the same headlines like I can't imagine reading a headline about you and being like am I Batman like that must be a strange thing as an actor to not know what's going on with your own thing and I just I I don't I definitely pity his PR team I pity his agents that seems like a whole whirlwind well I also think this is interesting point too that's in the article um, and you make a great point Haley right it's it's not just he lied for it. He lobbied for it because he had an idea already of how he wanted to play this character. Right. It wasn't just to get the character. It was because he thought about it, ruminated about it, had an idea of where he wanted to go with it. And so his lobbying, which Matt Reeves ignored him for a while <laughs> before finally agreeing to, uh, to meet with him, uh, was more intentional than just uh, than greedy. 
It yeah. was, I know I can do something with this role. Let me have a shot at this role. And they did take a general meeting for Guardians of Galaxy. So the, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, there were rumors that from that uh, statement that maybe he was being looked at for Star-Lord. Who knows? <laughs> when that's a whole other... You want to talk about Tom Cruise being Iron Man. What about Robert Pattinson <laughs> as Star-Lord? Yeah. That's a whole other Star-Lord, isn't it? The, the, the Tom Cruise as Iron Man, you can see and we can show you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like uh, Robert Pattinson would have made a different film because the team dynamic would have been so different because Chris yeah. Pratt is that Brendan Fraser flavor, and yes. that's so different from your your you know Robert Pattinson moody dark. Brood. That's a like, Brad Pitt flavor, Pattinson. exactly. Right, like right. like there's Batman and Star Lord are about as different as it gets. Yeah, yeah, and I totally see his Batman. So that was a, that was definitely a fascinating piece of what could have been. Yeah, and I. I love how excited people are for this Batman movie. The closer we get, the more details. The fact that there's a variety cover article, the fact that we're like leaning in all this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of the ingredients are going to equal something so special that even just talking about the bat suit has people like, oh, what's it look like? What's going on? Right, what is this? Right. And like, that's, that's the power of this character and the power arguably of Pattinson that people don't give enough credit for. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Haley, let's talk about this because you know, he, you know, he walked out of the Twilight thing. Both him and Chris Stewart, by the way, yeah. completely. Tell a lot not so much, but certainly Kristen Stewart and Robert Benson have like really kind of established themselves separately in their own in independent films. Kristen Stewart and sometimes foreign films, having won a Caesar. Uh, those mm. so those are really interesting paths that they've taken. So you can't help at times to think, oh, they're just focused on this. They don't necessarily want the big thing or the franchise because they're artists. They want to be seen as artists. But he talks about putting on the bat suit. What a transformative experience it was for him. You know, having his butt held as it shoved into the <laughs> suit. But this idea of like. Like once you're in it, you feel like you become something else. So the excitement yeah. must start to build more to have almost an independent film approach to a, a, such a large property. Oh, I love it. I'm a, obsessed with ever mm. since. I think we talked about it on Mailbag. I know we've oh, talked yeah. about it on yeah. Movie Talk. I have been like the moment these rumors came up, like that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of it? It's actually the only answer. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's just perfect for the role and he is one of those really compelling, weird performers who makes unconventional choices. You watch something like, well, honestly, any of his recent movies, but just let's mm. say Good Time. And what he does with that character is so much stranger than I think the lines read on paper. There's just like he brings this extra funky energy to every character. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely pitch perfect and it's what i want to see from a role that has been reinvented so many times over the years Mm -hmm. is just that new distinct flavor only one person can bring and you know that anyone else in the role would be completely different yeah you know you host one of the hosts of collider heroes uh uh, you hear this uh statement from him about putting on the bat suit about uh you know figuring out the movements within and you know a lot of the knock on him was the Twilight stuff or mm. even to a lesser extent the independent film stuff is he really a star a film star to play this role um, this must ease a lot of concerns to hear him speak so openly about his joy of Batman right I, I the suit commentary uh, it's been enough years it's probably not breaking any NDAs uh, I was a tiny 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 part in Dark Knight Rises like a little mm. baby part uh, and I always loved the idea of Batman I always loved the concept but I was always uh, when you watch a movie you're aware that Batman is a guy in a suit right I got to see Batman, and it is the single most terrifying experience that I can remember in <laughs> yeah. real life as an adult, except seeing it chapter two. Uh, the the Christian Bale 
physicality in that bat suit brings you to your knees. He's terrifying. Christian Bale's six foot three in this thing that only an insane person would wear. I love the fact that Batman is an imposing figure when you experience it. So I'm really excited to see this man with his strange energy with like the Rover. I love Guy Pierce, but man, he acted circles around Guy Pierce. Like this man has a thing about him that I imagine him in the suit. We all know and love and a new take on the suit. We all know and love his physicality and his strangeness and the perfect jaw is going to make (laughs) such a different, unique Batman. And I kind of like that he's going to bulk up and we've seen some photos. He's a little bigger, but I'm excited for a Neil Adams Batman. I'm excited for a little bit more life in this detective Batman and Instead of, and I love Batfleck, but he's a Frank Miller Batman. Yes. I want to see a take that's different enough. There'll be less comparisons that will get a new flavor, that will get a new bat suit. And I think that him being excited about the suit and him being excited about the part will show that dedication. Like Batman's power isn't money. It's obsession. Yeah. Everyone thinks his superpower is money. You can have all the money in the world and just be Elon Musk. He's obsessed and deranged, and that's why he's so powerful. Well, I think the other thing to look at, too, is he's not just putting on the Batman suit. He's putting on the Bruce Wayne suit. Mm-hmm. Is he Batman or is he Bruce Wayne? Mm-hmm. These are the things that I think Pattinson can play with complexity and with depth and levels as an actor, and we'll see it in his face. We'll see it in interactions. We'll even see it through the mask in the suit, I think, by body movement. So that's, I think that's an exciting thing to look at. Well, you talk about body movements, yeah. and one of his other quotes is that he, you know, he got this role when he started on his new Nolan film, Tenet, right. and he had the opportunity to ask him about basically how do you make this suit look good, yeah. more or less. And I think that's another really exciting point about who he is as a performer that I didn't touch on earlier, which is that he has spent the last 10 years of his career aggressively pursuing filmmakers that he thinks are the best in the industry yeah. and trying to learn from them. And he's the guy who will take the opportunity, see the overlap, and go, mm-hmm. well, I'm definitely asking Nolan about this. I'm definitely going to take everything I've learned from all of these projects I've been... You know, he pursues mm-hmm. these projects, these filmmakers. Same thing uh, he did with Matt Reeves. He did with Claire Denis. He was like, put me in one of your movies. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't see it. Ten years later, lead in high life, maybe my favorite film of the year. Wow. So this is a guy who really goes after what he wants yep. and tends to make something excellent out of it based on what he's learned. Yeah, I think we can... Uh, J. Scott Friel asks us, he's looking forward to him bringing a different energy that is Pattinson uh, than, diff- than previous iterations. Uh, will Pattinson skew closer to Bale or take it in his own direction? I think we've all answered that he'll take it in his own direction. Okay. Um, uh, he also asks, is it too soon to discuss Robin or Alfred casting who would you cast at this point if you're looking at Robin and Alfred? I think you need an Alfred. I, I think Robin comes later. Okay. Yeah. I want to I live with a detective before I meet okay. the war. If we're doing long Halloween, Robin... Then you need Robin. You if need we're Robin. doing long Halloween, if and uh, especially it. that many rogues, right. I can totally see... But if he's an Arkham, it feels weird that Robin's too... Fair point. Like, okay. Like just, ah, come with me. Like, it feels... <laughs> uh, but Alfred is key. Yeah. Um, man. I like... Tough. Who? No, I said that's oh. tough to just spit out of your brain. <laughs> I like the actor who plays Jarvis in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think he'd be an interesting Alfred. Oh. Yeah. As a younger Alfred, him and Pattinson kind of working together as opposed to an older Alfred counseling uh, Bruce. It would be interesting to have a, a, a Bruce and Alfred that are more in age range. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting. He's certainly got the perfect look for it. Yeah. Um, and the boys. I, I'd hate to typecast him as in servantile uh, superhero roles. But fair points. who wouldn't want the role as Alfred? Yeah. So I'm sure he's like, typecast me. Well, would Paul Bettany do it? He was the voice oh, of Jarvis. Yeah. Paul Bettany would be interesting as well. He's so interesting. Yeah, I definitely like, a, like a, a, an aristocracy and Britishness. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to have to ponder while we talk yeah, to him. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's way too, way we'll, too important. We'll come answer. back to it. We'll come back to it. Uh, real quick, uh, David King, 7258, wants to know... Uh, Peter Capaldi was announced to be oh. cast in Suicide Squad. Mr. Yeah. Doctor Who, or recent Doctor Who. Uh, excite you? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's Peter Capaldi. He's one of the greats. Anything he wants to do, I want to see what it's about. Right. And uh, I think with, you know, he may not necessarily be known for his comedic gifts in America, Mm -hmm. but the idea of his sort of delivery with James Gunn's words really, really Mm -hmm. is doing something for me there. He'll be able to cuss again like he did in the the thick of it. Uh, uh, Coy, uh, Capaldi? Uh, Bill Nye as Alfred. Bill Nagy. Bill Nye, yeah, as Alfred. Oh, yeah. Old, that's an old Alfred, bro. But like, I, Bill Nye is the uh, is the uh, Max von Sydow of the British. <laughs> like, he's looked seventy since he was thirty years old. It's mind blowing. I watch him in so many British things now with my girlfriend. It's insane. But, the guy is seventy and he looks. He's just, I'm picturing I don't know, the swag of Love Actually. Yeah, plus, like, that. he's got that intimidating voice. Love and Actually like, was eighteen years ago. Don't say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that just made I'm it real. Saying, oh, totally right. He's been that age for a very long time. Oh man. Nice choice, though. I yeah, like the choice. Because Patrick Stewart was cast as Charles Xavier in Wizard Magazine when that existed, and he's still yeah, Charles Xavier. That's true. Um, that's very true. Whoa. Uh, what was, uh, sorry, we were talking about Bill, uh, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, yeah, Peter I'm Capaldi. excited about the Suicide Squad cast because the movie is inherent nature, is you can fill this cast 100 actors mm-hmm. and kill half of them. Like, I'm really excited to see oh, yeah. who makes the second act because it's a movie made for stunt casting. Yeah. And I love the idea of putting an incredible actor you're like, they're going to make it, and then, like, <laughs> final destinationing them. I'm really right. excited to see us get excited about an actor who we inherently love with two lines of dialogue because of their appreciation of them their work and yeah. then kill them off so okay. i think suicide squad's a perfect place to stack the deck that's fair huh? well, years ago i would have loved seeing a capaldi alfred that would have been interesting. when you said that name i was like oh and then wait no mm, bill nye they're still old if daniel day lewis didn't retire that would oh my like, oh, be the God. dream right that's the answer that's incredible <laughs> shut down the internet daniel day lewis that's the answer uh, all right next up we're going to be talking about the joker movie and the reception it got and also some of the online backlash that's been happening uh, uh accompanying that film but first a few uh, plugs uh, there's a brand new Collider Heroes episode that that man co-hosts over there Coy I was a guest on today it drops today at 5pm with our uh, other co-host Amy let's take a look at that Hi I'm Amy Dallin one of the hosts of Collider Heroes and starting right now you can catch our show Tuesday nights with a new Collider Heroes and a longer Collider Heroes podcast where Coy and I are going to talk your ears off you already know that's coming so make sure to go to YouTube subscribe and find us on the Collider Heroes podcast feed for all of that sweaty goodness there you go, Amy Dalla. Always love hearing from her. And of course, the non-spoiler Joker review is up as well. What is it, like 500,000 views already? Dorian Parks and uh, Steve Weintraub, own Frosty Weintraub, they were the lucky ones who got to see it last week. They dropped their non-spoiler review. If you can handle it, go watch it now. They don't spoil anything. Go watch it now. All right, speaking of Joker, let's move on to our next story. And that is the Joker movie premiering at the Venice Film Festival. It received an eight-minute standing ovation this was last saturday night uh, already the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive uh comparing uh, you know saying joaquin venus will be nominated for oscars that the film is a, a inc- incredible new approach to superhero or comic book movies all these great accolades uh variety uh, said that phoenix is astonishing as a mentally ill geek who becomes the killer crown joker in his in this todd phillips's neo taxi driver knockout a rare comic book movie that expresses what's happening in the real world. The Independence, uh, Jeffrey McNabb says the film is powerful and original, and Phoenix plays the character in a way that makes it both sympathetic and very creepy. I'm going to come to you first on this one, Haley, because those reviews were great and positive, but almost immediately after those reviews were issued, online people started coming back at this notion, saying, oh, this is mostly white male critics, there weren't a lot of female critics, there weren't a lot of critics of color reviewing this movie, so... 
is this narrative correct and is this frustration uh, warranted? Ooh, that's not at all a hot button question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, movie talk. Cool. Welcome back, Haley. Um, <laughs> look, the, the conversation about whose voices are included in, in the mm. conversation is a big one. It's one that's being resolved or worked on or discussed every day. You know, we saw Rotten Tomatoes welcome that influx of new critics. I do think that those are important things to keep in mind when it comes to, as you say, shaping, yeah. shaping the narrative of a film. Would it have been cool if more diverse critics were invited to see the film? Yeah, that generally is something I'm going to like to see. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think that it it invalidates the opinions that we've seen? No. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie was always going to be mired in certain amounts of controversy. That's one that could have been easily avoided just from like a studio perspective based on the invites. But... um, yeah, that's in. I mean, we really have seen a very or leading up to the premiere mm-hmm. at the festival, mm-hmm. we saw a very limited selection of people responding to it. Now it's played at a festival. There's a certain amount of um, exclusivity to who gets to go to the Venice Film right, Festival right, anyway. But it, it's certainly a broader audience, a more international mm-hmm. audience, and more voices have now entered the conversation. Yeah, all right. Well, let's go back to you, because that was a hot-button issue, and you t- danced around that really, really well. <laughs> I feel like and I, I appreci- answered it really oh, uh, I mean, intentionally. You did it without burning your feet. That's what I mean oh, by okay. dancing around. You did a really great job, and I appreciate that. You walked <laughs> on hot coals with your shoes off. Uh, this Now, hearing that it got an eight-minute standing ovation, does this excite you even more for the movie? What was your excitement? level at and what is your excitement level after hearing that? Uh, that sounds like insane festival behavior to me, <laughs> straight up. That sounds like one of those things like people were passing out and ambulances were called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see the movie and you're like, yeah, scary. I, like, I just think that's one of those things that in a festival environment, people go a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> Which I, is I, a good thing. It is. It I is. think community is like, I, I think that's the power of festivals. I'm like, I think that using that as, as a positive, like, I think movie theaters need to have moments of pure zeal where you do stand yes. for eight minutes. So mm-hmm. a festival is bringing out the most excited people and cr- shoving them in a room. So for me, I agree with what you're saying, but I think yeah. that's a hyper positive. I think it's good. I also think it's not like a... Going to be replicated. Exactly. Right. Every movie exactly theater right. won't be like, we've got to add time to the end because yeah. it's going to be a yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to like set your expectations that after you're, you see it, you're going to need to stand for eight minutes and clap. Like, I don't or think ten. we, we know, right? how much more you We like don't want to expect a film on that level because that's an absolutely absurd expectation for any film. Yeah, I've never yeah. clapped for eight minutes for anything in my life. Like, uh, so it is exciting, though. Yeah, that's yeah. like a clearly an impassioned response. And any impassioned response out of a festival makes me really excited, whether it's half the people walked out, they right. stood for eight minutes, people were crying, passing out, whatever it is you hear, I'm like, that is on my radar now in a much bigger way. Fair enough. All right, Coy, you hear this eight-minute standing ovation. Someone, I forget who was on Twitter, made a whole parody of this. Running, around, like He ran out of the theater and smacked people in the face and told them about Joker and put people in the... <laughs> like, it was hilarious, like making fun of this kind of response. So Haley was cracking me up with her response to the eight-minute standing ovation. You it's hear, a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> but you hear this eight-minute standing ovation. Does this kind of start to make you think that awards are legitimately possible for a comic book movie. From the announcement of a Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix, I was like, well, there it is. And now the first trailer came out, and I was like, and they did it. And then then when they mentioned, like, the Scorsese tone and Taxi Driver, and when they started saying, like, every buzzword, I was like, if it is half as good as the buzzwords 
pretend it is, yeah. we're going to have Oscar contention. And then it got accepted to festivals, wherein Oscar films are like, let's show off. So it, it's done all of the song and dance required for the song and dance that is award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And now if it's as good as the song and dance implies, it will be. And, mm-hmm. and it's just the politics of, of filmmaking is make a really good movie, do all the things you need to do to get it here. And if they've done as good of a movie as they have done with the things that require Oscar contention, mm-hmm. it's golden. Like yeah. So to me, I, I Joaquin Phoenix is such a powerhouse and Todd Phillips has developed this beautiful aesthetic. So it's hard to not imagine that's coming because mm-hmm. it's it's almost like it's been engineered in the lab. Like right. it's like it's like they were like we've had a bunch of comic movies. They've gotten really close. Black Panther best picture nom not a win. It's time for the movie and they made it. Right. So it, it's just a matter of whether or not the critics are going to be contrarian or if it is as good as that every piece of advertisement is yielding it to be. Okay, it's your turn to take your shoes off and walk on the coals. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you hear you hear this narrative they're building with people who are upset about the movie saying, "I don't need to see another movie about an angry white male." I don't identify with that. I don't feel that. Even though there have been so many movies that have done that, that are considered AFI top 100 films, uh, you look at something like this. Do you think that criticism is warranted for a movie like this that is comic book-based uh, in this and with this character, I, I feel like any movie needs to have a level of scrutiny, and I and I I, I wouldn't judge Venom next to Citizen Kane, and I wouldn't judge um, a, another Joker for film so many reasons. For you wouldn't many do that. reasons, <laughs> but I wouldn't judge another Joker film next to Oscar films. But this mm-hmm. is an Oscar intended Joker film, like right. I was just saying. So yes, it should be under scrutiny because that's its aim. It's not shooting at a one billion dollar box office target. It's right. shooting at a I went to Venice target. So. With that scrutiny in mind, I think it's it's fair to look at it under a different magnifying mm-hmm. glass. But it is a movie about mental health, and it's a character they cast an incredible white actor to play. Mm-hmm. So it is a movie about an incredible white man's journey through mental health. That's the story it's telling. I don't know what people would want except for that story. Yeah. So I don't feel like that scrutiny is fair. I feel like scrutiny about what it represents, having not seen the film, is absolutely going to be a commentary. Yeah. But it, in 1970-whatever, they didn't look at Jack Nicholson playing the One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and go like this uh, this crazy white man. They looked at the movie. Right. And I would love the movie to have that perspective on it when it comes out. And I don't know how much perspective I can have as an occasionally angry white man. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what story they'd want told instead, but I do know that if you want to make a movie that has a commentary on a very important issue, mm-hmm. Angry White Men is a very important issue. It's a giant problem in our country. It is a repeated issue when you look at a map yeah. and you look at a series of mugshots. It is a thing that needs to be commentated on. I think it's a positive that we've got a movie that's going to have the Joker name attached to it to bring awareness to a major issue, which is mental health. Mm-hmm. And I'd love for the conversation to be about how we can change the oh, no, it's just a white guy from domestic terrorist to actual mental health issue yeah. instead of just, oh, no, we arrested him intact. Like, yeah. it's, it's, for me, it's a positive. Yeah, I, I think it's a... Can I put my shoes back on? Yes, absolutely. You did a great job. Great job. <laughs> it's my turn. I'm taking the socks off, too. So since I put you guys through... But for me, it's more a matter of... Does the movie have something overall to say about society, irregardless of color or gender? Does it do it? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But I think the criticism is absolutely valid at this stage. Until we've seen it, a majority of people have seen it. When they do see it, then we can start exploring whether it was a necessary film to be made and if it accomplished its goals. Mm -hmm. That will be the conversation that we will have next, hopefully. Um, But I think the criticism for now is valid in terms of their overall approach to it. I don't think it's necessarily valid because this is a comic book character. 
That being said, they also are doing it in different ways that they've never done the Joker before in that they're exploring his origin and what it came from and what it stems from and what were the influences, what were the environmental influences, what was society's responsibility for the creation of this thing. So there's more here that we'll get that I hopefully will get explored in deeper ways that will uh, give us a more enriching character portrayal and remove maybe that narrative and make it more of a universal appeal. We'll see. Uh, the Deadly Class is, a, is an incredible comic book adaptation yep. that deals with uh, basically Ronald Reagan letting a lot of mentally ill people out and the ramifications of that. Yeah. That show, it's directly related to mental health but since it wasn't as like this is the joker yeah people didn't come out and say like mental health like it but that made me aware of things in history i didn't know about and that show caused me to look into reaganomics and look into nancy reagan's yeah. crazy choices and like ronald reagan being uh so that made me do research that made me more well-versed in mental health mm. why is it a bad thing for a mainstream movie to make someone google things that are important right. like okay. that's what i got at and that's what you did in the 70s films but yeah go ahead. so just i i think that we're conflating maybe two things here sure and i'm not saying that everyone online is being reasonable and calm which i'm about <laughs> to try to be where's that internet uh haven't found it we'll let you know <laughs> um it i, I think that criticisms extended to the question of do we need to see this movie again are industry criticisms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's that's yes, something that's lobbied at broader studios to say, will you please do something different if you're going to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Criticisms about how the film itself handles the subject of mental issue and, you know, everything you just put so well, that is criticism directed at the film which can't be had yet because the film has only been seen by a few people so I, I think that there's something to the conversation of do we need to see this movie for the 400th time even if it is a joker movie that we all want to see do we need to see it no who cares i want to see it but m my point being i think the argument is if you're going to keep doing this then please invite other people to the table as yeah. well to make these kinds of movies. Yeah. Make this movie about a crazy lady mm -hmm. that's not, you know, a super indie film. Uh, someone I know did a, a long thread, like, give me your best example of a movie like this about women, and the one that kept coming up over and over again was Monster, which was made yeah. for, like, no money at all. True. Totally different scenario. Patty Jenkins. So these are two different conversations, and I think that for the sake of everyone's sanity going forward, yeah. we should do our best to be clear mm. with the things like we're talking about, because yeah. this is going to be a mess. Yeah. But, and thank God, because that's what yeah. these films are supposed to do, right. especially because it's aiming, like you said, Coy, it's aiming for something more than just billion-dollar success. It's aiming for something that people actually take with them and think about afterwards. So we'll see. Uh, we're running out of time. One la I want to do one last one chat question here. Uh, Luis Enrique de la Pena again. He asks, what other comic book villain movie would you like uh, comic book villain movie would you like to see a different take on much like the Joker? I would like to see Tom Hanks playing Lex Luthor in a movie about the commentary on popular opinion versus actual like mental insecurity. You know what I mean? Like Lex Luthor was an president. Alien. He's an alien. He was president. Tom Hanks. <laughs> like, so you he want, was president. You want someone that appears yeah. very wholesome and glorious yeah. like Tom Hanks, like America's sweetheart Tom Hanks, but then actually hates the idea of someone invading their country and like someone like causing all these things and mm -hmm. this disruption and wants the power of Superman. So he secretly, and I'd love to see an actor that we haven't really seen play that do that so yep. i'd like to see a weird like <laughs> lex played by tom hanks i'm down with i like that. it that's actually really fascinating yeah. i'm super into it please write the script and okay. it <laughs> to be continued um i'm struggling with a villain right now so i'm gonna okay. skirt that answer with what i have uh i've always been really compelled and uh disturbed by rogue's powers oh yeah and i've always wanted to ah. see a really dark take on what that is like to live mm -hmm. with 
It's not a villain, but it could get pretty grim. It can. She absorbs yeah. power. So. I also thought of three very, very different outfits. Ray Winstone would be different because he'd be a big boy, like a bully yeah, sure. of a uh, Hugh Grant Ooh. after Paddington 2. Very right age. Age. I like you. Mark Strong. Like them all. Mark Strong already the Kingsman, so, but I will go with you, Hugh Grant. I Hugh just Grant. finished A Very English Scandal. He's incredible oh. in that. If you guys haven't seen that, you should see that. Um, all right, that's the end of the show. Thank you, everybody, for uh, watching this episode. All right, Dorian, fine. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on Netflix. There, there. <laughs> Are you happy? Jesus. What? See, oh, season six. I'm sorry. Season six is now. Go and waste your time watching those episodes. All right, well, I'm not it's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. guy. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, Dorian likes it. I don't, so choose who you want to listen to. Uh, I want to thank you too, definitely for stopping by. Haley, where can people find you? Oh, thank you. You can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch and Instagram at Haystack McGroovy and here on The Witching Hour. There you go. And on the dot com. She writes oh, great yeah. stuff. I do that every day of my life. Can't does. believe I've ever got it. <laughs> I just your Instagram name for the first time and it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Coyjandro, C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U and on Collider Heroes and comic book shopping right here at Collider. There you go. Thanks to Adam Smith in the booth over there. We went a little long. I'm sorry. Thanks to uh, Dorian Parks sending in the chat stuff. And yeah, guys, Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back tomorrow hosting another brand new episode of Movie Talk at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Until then, take care. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa Online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 